Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you, sir? Hello, sir. Gallon of the round table, if that's your real name. Yeah, it's not my real name. Uh, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm sticking with. Yeah. I, I'm doing well. Uh, it uh, still is uh, unseasonably cold, or maybe it's seasonably cold, and that's my problem with it. That's, our, that's my problem with Indiana. Mm. Yeah. D- don't move here for the weather. No, you don't no. want to move her the weather. You do not want Mm-mm. to move her for the weather. No, no. You'd be disappointed. Yeah. I was listening to our theme music there. I like our theme music. I thought, I think Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios yes. did a fantastic job. Yes. And his name's been mentioned now hundreds of thousands of times for helping us do that music. So. Oh, probably yeah. millions. Yeah. With, with with all the downloads uh, yeah. that, that yeah. Uh, we've garnered. Quite a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. But I like our theme song. And we. Uh, I also like the Parks and Rec theme song. But... Um, I think ours does a good job of, of paying homage. I agree. Yeah. So, hey, Mark, you know, we're here this week to talk about season seven, episode four, Ron and Leslie. No, Leslie and Ron. Leslie Let's get and this Ron. backwards. I think it's worth mentioning that you and I are actually still in the studio. We just recorded 7.3, William Henry Harrison. That's right. And and because NBC did the back to back to back to back thing. Right, for right. All the backs. We, we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're doing the same thing today. We're recording these back to back. So. What I'm hopeful is that uh, my mood improves, right? It wasn't good for 7.3. Like, I was not one of my favorite episodes. No, you you didn't have a good mood. No. Um, you were really. You didn't love it either, though. In fairness. No, but I'm. I was delightful. <laughs> you were. You were kind of grumpy. I'm always grumpy. So it, yeah. you, we need to make sure you you you. I've sp- ungrumped during our break. You, <laughs> they have a salve for that. We <laughs> need to make sure you springboard out of the grump. Yes. And maybe maybe into the harumph. Yeah. But but we'll you know, I, I I have a feeling this is going to fare better. I think you you may be on to something. Mm. We we talked at the end of that episode about how you really can't have this episode without having that episode, and and what we mean is in episode three, the the fight has culminated. Right. It's 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 zenith. And at the end of that episode, they have locked these folks, uh, Ron and Leslie, or Leslie and Ron, if you get them in the right order, into a room and said, fix it. Yeah. That's basically what's going to happen in this episode. Well, right. And, and But in the sense of uh, continuance, like some say, oh, remember last episode? This is a day later. This is seconds, seconds. later. Like yeah. it's it's Literally. like you, you could have really combined these into one supersized and, thing. And we talked about that, possibly doing that and having a different type of and, thing. And when they originally aired it, it was made so that you would have it go back to back yeah. immediately. I, I looked at the Nielsen records for this and sadly viewership dropped in the second episode. And I was so disappointed by that because mm. I'm like, oh man, the people who just watched the first one and didn't stick around for the second, like that's sad to me because they didn't get the payoff. Yeah, you, you missed lightning in a bottle. You really did. So um, this episode, speaking of that, first aired on January 20th, 2015 at the 8.30 hour. Of course, we've already said that episode three uh, from season seven, w- William Henry Harrison, easy for me to say. That's right. Uh, it was at the eight o'clock hour. And then after both Parks episodes had aired, we had the State of the Union, basically. Yeah. So uh, whatever president that was at the time. So. This episode was mm-hmm. directed by Beth McCarthy Miller. She's done three episodes. This is her third of three. Um, she's also worked on uh, 30 Rock, Modern Family, Saturday Night Live. If I remember, she has like the distinction of being one of only like two or three 
female directors of Saturday Night Live in its entire 40 plus year. Yeah, run. I remember you mentioned yeah. that. That's very yeah. impressive. So this is her last episode. We'll say goodbye to Beth after today and her golden megaphone. That's right. The golden pen got goes back to Mike Schur here, though. So Mike penned this episode. And didn't surprise me. Didn't surprise me at all. This is his 16th of 17 official canon episodes. He also co-wrote at least the uh, the 2020 special so but we're uh, we're getting toward the end here I mean I think this, right. the numbers are apparent like there's not a lot left right so no, there's not it's interesting to me to have this episode early in the season versus later in the season so but I'm sure we'll talk about that right certainly by the end of the run of the season we will but um, Mark I'll tell you what let's get right into this why don't you get us uh, into our synopsis all right. Well, this is one of the few times that I'm going to say I will give us our synopsis. Yeah. We have an A story. Yeah, we do. Or there we go. That is correct. Or maybe more grammatically correct, we have a story. A story. That that that. Da, da, da. Yeah. 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 So I I thought, do I even want to come up with a title? And then I thought, not really. But then I thought, well, the brass will get mad at me. Yeah, but then I thought, I don't required. like the brass. But then I thought, well, Alan will get mad at me. And I thought, yeah. I care even less what he says. But then True. I ended up making a title. It's oh, not yeah. great. I made one too. So I right. said, I said the final battle. Nice. Okay. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. <clears throat> me 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 me. Okay. So here here's the synopsis. This. Leslie and Ron have been trapped together by the gang in their old stomping grounds, the Parks Department. The gang refuses to let them out until A, they work out their differences, or B, 8 o'clock a.m. the next morning rolls around. Neither wants to be alone with the other for 10 hours, but they cannot escape. Leslie just wants to wait a few minutes, turn on the baby monitor, lie to Ben, and have him come and release them. But they can't even agree on what they want their fake apology to sound like. <laughs> Leslie gets frustrated. Blam! Smashes the monitor yeah, on the ground. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, Ron wants to just sit in silence. Leslie pesters him until he's like, all right, I'll give you a little bit of time. She brings out a whiteboard. And she starts going all beautiful mind on us. And she draws a, a, a crazy timeline, including some key events that she's theorizing may have contributed to their her demise of her friendship with Ron. Right. Culminating in the infamous Morningstar. Yeah. Um, it, it's revealed. So we're going to finally figure out what Morningstar is. Right. Thank and, God. And, and it's it's revealed. There's more here. But at a very, very high level, Morningstar was an apartment complex that Ron's company mm. was in charge of building and he didn't tell Leslie about it. And one of the reasons Leslie was mad is it involved doing away with Ann's old house. Ah. However, Ron tells Leslie, that's not the whole story. Mm. Intriguing Leslie. But then Ron says, no, time's up. I'm out of here. Yeah, and he, he just goes into his old office and closes the door. Um, Leslie starts pestering him outside of his office over and over and over and over and over until he like mad and he tries to escape again. I won't say how, but he, yeah. that fails as well. And then a couple hours go by and Leslie starts going even more beautiful mind. She's searching through all the documents and oh, yeah. files and, yeah. and she's she's expanding the timeline. And, and then she finds something very interesting, something that may be the Rosetta Stone. Oh. Her original Parks Department job application, including 
a written description of Ron's truthful first impression of her. What will happen? What was Ron's real first impression of Leslie? Can Ron forgive Leslie for everything she's done to him? Is there a way Leslie and Ron can escape before 8 a.m.? Why did Ron really leave the Parks Department? Will Leslie and Ron ever be friends again? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Nice job. Yeah, it's weird just to have a, a story. Yeah, a story. A story. Uh, mine uh, is an homage to the great uh, Louis Gossett Jr. movie, Enemy Mine. That's a great movie. That's a great movie. That's isn't a it? that's a, a, a Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. And uh, you could have also uh, said, you know, uh, the, what was the one Star Trek episode? Wrath um, of Khan. No, no, no. With with Picard uh, and the one guy. It, it always reminds me of Enemy Mine. Uh, Shaka and the Walls fell. That one. Yeah. Mm. It's another Enemy Mine story, right? These two are stuck together and. They have to either survive or work it out, basically. Right. That's what's going on here. So, um, did you do an AKA, Mark? I did. What'd you do? What'd you get? Um, what you got? I said uh, one of the times when when Leslie is just trying to torture Ron into talking with her. <laughs> yeah. Because he's like, I don't want to talk to you. And she's like, I'm going to make you talk to me. And he's yeah. like, I don't want to talk to you. And he's like, I'm going to make you talk to me. And one of the things she says to him to try and like goad him yeah. into into snapping and talking to her is she <laughs> says, I think wood is stupid and so does everyone else. You go, hey, you guys, Ron loves plastic. <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face is terrific. Yeah. Uh, my, mine's a tip of the hat to the very end of the episode, which, you know, no spoiler alerts, but it's, uh, uh, you know, the classic, why does anybody in the world ever eat anything other than breakfast food? So that's, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a great one. So, all right, Mark, well, let's do it, I guess. Let's, uh, let's start breaking it down. All right. Um, so we, uh, we our cold open starts off literal seconds, Ann Perkins, after the end of the previous episode. So we see that the gang has, once again, locked Leslie and Ron in the Parks Department to work out their differences. Hey, uh, is he back there? He is back there. Hey, Robonstantine? Uh, play our first clip, please. No, no, no. Sorry, Ron. Doors are locked. We've taken your key cards and your phones, and the automatic timer won't go off until tomorrow at 8 a.m. You're trapped in there. We told security not to disturb you under any circumstances. And the phones and the internet? Oh, they've been disconnected. And I left a rusty hacksaw on the table, so the first person who hacks their face off gets released. <laughs> That's not what? Is that true? Guys, this is insane, okay? Let us out! Oh my god, babe! Game of Thrones is on tonight. It's the series finale. Khaleesi is marrying Jack Sparrow. <laughs> oh, God, that show has really gone off the rails. Look, it makes sense if you've read the books. Look, our baby monitor is on the table. If you guys can talk this out and settle your differences like grown-ups, turn it on and I will come to get you from my office. Otherwise, we will see you at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. I am going to break out of here. Then I am going to snap you in half. Hey, this is not his fault, Swanson. Be a man and get your house in order. You too, Nope. Good luck, you guys. I really hope you can work out your differences. Terry, look at me. Is this what you want to do? Think very carefully, son. There you go. 
That's right, buddy. Come on. Uh -oh. For once in your life, do something right. Stop it, Terry! Both of you, come on. Damn it, Terry! Well, he almost swiped his badge there. Right. Yeah. So at the beginning of that scene, I'll just say it starts with a, a brief black screen with white lettering that says to be continued, just like the the last episode left off. Right. Right now. Right now. Yes. And then it goes into it. What'd you think of that? What'd you think of that as the cold open? I, I think it it's definitely intriguing in terms of setting up the episode. Um I mean, there, there's some small nitpicks I could have with, like, you know, why would they have key cards to this office, blah, blah, blah. But, but outside of all of that, this is interesting. Like, I'm, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen here. Of course, I knew and I remembered this episode. It's one of the ones that's hard to forget. But uh, I, I remember the first time I saw this, I was very intrigued by, you know, are they going to kill each other? Like, because they're, they're about as mad as I've ever seen two people be mad at each other. You know what I like the best about this? What's that? I like Donna. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know what? I've got a note on that for later. But yeah, man up, Swanson. You too, nope. Yeah. Donna is one of the few characters on this show who I think could be unfazed by Ron's... Yeah. Uh, I don't just want to say bravado, because I think yeah. Ron means what he he's does. saying. He but Donna is yes. willing to like step up toe-to-toe -to -toe and say, hey, yeah, no. That ain't happening. And if it's I'm not, not mistaken, Ben's fault. she has done this before. To yes, a lesser degree, has. but yes, yeah, so you, exactly. So, yeah, it is not Ben's fault. So, this will be interesting. Yeah. Well, Mark, as reality begins to set in, Leslie goes into alpha planning mode, but very quickly has a hard time getting Ron to agree to her ideas. And it seems like, for a number of reasons, we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> we're going to be here for a while. So, like we said, we're still in the bullpen of the Parks Department, and we see a black screen with white lettering, 10.04 p.m. So we're still in the very early stages of being locked in here. And Leslie and Ron are desperately trying to think of a way out. Leslie finally suggests that they wait a few minutes, contact Ben with the baby monitor, lie to him about them making up, like, you know, adults, yeah. and Ben will, of course, let them out. Now, on paper, this seems like a good plan. But unfortunately, as I mentioned in the synopsis, uh, Leslie and Ron, at this point, can't even agree on the lie that they're going to tell Ben to get out. Like right. each one of them wants to say something that makes themselves look better than the other person. They, right. they, just, they just can't let it go. They cannot. And in a fit of frustration and perhaps not thinking clearly, Wesley goes bah! and grabs the baby monitor and blam, smashes it on the floor. So now they're stuck. Yeah. Ron's like, well, what if we have an emergency and have to get out of here? I did not think that through. <laughs> She did not. Well, we jump forward a few minutes and we're uh, still only a couple of minutes into what will assuredly be a 10 hours of isolation for these two. And it turns out that even some of the most classic evil interrogation techniques will not work on a Swanson if he chooses to be stubborn. Yeah, we're, we're still in the bullpen of the Parks Department, go figure. We see a black screen with white lettering, 10.36 p.m. So about a half hour yeah. has passed since yep. the last scene. Seeing as they are now trapped without any hope of an early release, Leslie suggests they try to talk about their issues and walk through their problems. Ron, on the other hand, simply wants to sit there and do nothing. Leslie tells Ron, I bet I can make you talk. 
Ron scoffs at this. Oh, yeah. We then see Leslie engage in a series of torture methods, including A, softly but repeatedly smacking Ryan on the shoulder over and over and over at the palm talk of her hand saying, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. B, blowing Ron in the face with a fan, making his big old Swanson mustache yeah. go everywhere while yeah. screaming, talk to me. C, slowly dripping water onto his mustache with a plastic straw. I guess maybe this is the Pawnee version of whiteboarding. I guess so. Whiteboarding, waterboarding. <laughs> waterboarding, yes. D, leaning in and taunting him, saying things like my AKA, I think Wood is stupid and so does everyone else. <laughs> hey, you guys, Ron loves plastic, which <laughs> that actually kind of bugged him. It did. I got to it. And E, covering Ron from head to toe in sticky notes, leaving a gap for his Swanson mustache yeah. and also writing his name, R-O-N, across his chest in differently colored sticky notes. It's classic. Yeah. It's, it's very meme-ish, isn't yes. it? Yes. But it's, it's, it's pretty good. And to think he, I'm sure the entire time she was covering him in post-it notes, she was still doing the talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me thing. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's holding steady so far. He is. Well, Mark, it's just a few minutes later, and we know that the Geneva Conventions exist for good reason, but those will not stop Leslie from finding the one and only thing that can possibly break Ron. That's right. We're, we're still in the bullpen of the Parks Department. Hey, you know what? I bet we're going to be here most of the episode. We're going to be here most of the day. Yeah. And we see a black screen with white lettering, 10.55 p.m. So okay. from last scene, I don't know, 15, 20, 20 minutes, minutes have passed yeah. or so. Yeah. Leslie has stumbled upon the mix CD that she made for the Summer Parks Barbecue 2007. This is relevant because she chooses to now do two things. A play Jerry's song choice, which was We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Oh, my God. And B, admitting to Ron she doesn't know the words, so she's going to sing along with nonsense lyrics. <laughs> and we can already see Ron looking mildly horrified at what is yes. about to transpire. And Leslie then starts in, and this is pretty darn funny, and if, yes. you, if you have this on DVD or you see it streaming on Peacock, please yeah. watch this Check scene for yourself. Yeah. I certainly won't try to do justice to it, but I like here are some of the words that she uses. Uh -huh. Harry Truman was a guy, America, Red China, all the countries, other people, everyone is fun. Joe Montaigne in McKellen, I have to buy a new toaster. This is awesome. You're so stupid, jumping up and down. Woo! And so, Ron, like, look, yeah. even a Swanson. Yeah has his limits, all yes. right? And so Ron finally breaks after the, the few, second verse, the few yes. verses of this. Yes. Like, he gets up and he runs right over to the CD player and he turns it off and he says to Leslie, I will speak with you for three minutes. Three minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's something. That is something. And, you know, well, three minutes is not a long time. We're hopeful that it may be, with any luck, enough to get down to the bottom of what the hell actually happened between these two. Right. And we will hopefully figure out what Morningstar is other than a delicious plant-based breakfast sausage. Right. Yes. All right. So, yeah, we're still in the bullpen wow. of the Parks Department. Go figure. So we see a black screen with white lettering 11.01 p.m. So maybe one or two minutes have passed since the last scene. And we see Leslie and Ron sitting across from one another. And we hear a beep as Ron starts his stopwatch. Apparently, he's very serious about only giving her three minutes. Yeah. And we begin. Hey, Robonston team. Play that clip, please. What would you like to talk about? <laughs> oh, come on, Ron. We were friends for 10 years. We were work proximity associates. We were friends, and now we're not. And once again, it is up to me to save our friendship. And I will do so 
using the most powerful tool known to man, a well-organized chart. <laughs> there it is. Three years ago, I accept a job at National Parks. You and I see each other less, admittedly, due to my busy schedule and your utter lack of interest in maintaining adult friendships. Work proximity associateships. Three months later, April comes to work for me. We throw her a party. At her request, the party's theme is zombie teenage biker gang pizza jamboree. I remember you made me wear a leather jacket. That is the last time you and I see each other for more than five minutes. Three months later, you come and visit me at my office on the third floor for the very first time. One week later, I return from a trip and I find out you have quit the parks department and you have started your own building company without even bothering to tell me. Oh well, I think to myself, you know, it was only a matter of time. And then, two months after that, Morning Star. The final twist of the knife. Oh, for God's sake. I hear about Morning Star and I calmly saunter down to your office and attempt to have a rational discussion with you about it. What the hell, Ron? You're building your stupid building on the block next to Pawnee Commons? The park that I built from scratch out of a pit? This building is gonna ruin the views, you jerk. And you're gonna tear all the houses down? Yes. And live there, Ron. That's Anne's old house. That's my best friend's old house. That was the house where I put on my wedding dress the night I got married. That is the house where April and Andy met for the first time. That is the house where Anne gave me my first ever smoky eye look. She hasn't lived there for five years. That's not the point. This building is a monstrosity. And what's it called? Morning Star? Oh dear, we live at the Morning Star. That's too posh and hibbly fibbly gibbly. The world needs apartment buildings. The park you built is nice and people want to live next to it. That's not the point. You knew that I would be furious and you didn't have the guts to tell me yourself. Enjoy your new job, Judith. You tear down Anne's house. You spend the next two years cutting down trees and fighting zoning laws that I helped pass. Basically spitting on everything we did together at Parks. That's not the whole story. What does that mean? It means what it means. That is not the whole story of why I left. Oh, sorry. Your time is up. Wait, mm. well, why then? What was the reason? Ron, come on. Oh my God, you made a key? Ron, please don't. <laughs> come on, Ron. Ron, just talk to me. Ron, come on. See you tomorrow morning. Okay, progress. Yeah, it's certainly a form of progress. Oh, I would agree. Yeah. Um, probably a few things that we should yeah, talk through. Yeah, so, like a lot of these scenes, there are, they occasionally will show us flashbacks. Yeah. And really sometimes audibly it's not obvious, but they will like flashback to April's going away party or her congratulations party or whatever. You know, they flashback. I think you could tell that to where Leslie came into Ron's office at very good building and development yeah. company yeah. and said, you know, what the hell. Right. Um, and uh, then at the end, so during this three minute time period and Ron's like, so what do you want to talk about? Right. He, starts, whittling. he starts whittling. Yeah. yeah. Now you might think, oh, he's just blah, blah, blah. He's just yeah. doing it to pass the time. Yeah. Talk about woodworking Ron. <laughs> he whittles a key yeah. to his, to old, his office. old office, yeah. which works. Yes. Holy crap. And then he goes in there and locks the door with his wooden key. So he's locked in the office, but now he's created a place to be away from Leslie within that space, at least temporarily. I mean, on paper, that sounds good. But it's Leslie. 
he still can't really run because yeah, you know that's he, true it's not soundproof no her, her voice is coming through the walls <laughs> right <laughs> that is true that's very true okay so we we at least now starting to understand what might have happened we don't know the whole story yet we, i think we understand from leslie's perspective that's a great point yeah, why she feels angry why she feels betrayed so we know half of the equation, yeah. kind of. But you can see there, Ron starting to maybe feel a little emotional about the, what's been unsaid so far. But beep, 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 time's up. What are you going to do? I also will say that in the flashback, when Leslie's like, what the hell? How could you do this? How could you do this? Now, I'm not defending everything Ron's doing, but I did right. notice that one, even at that point when Leslie was railing on him, he said... The world needs apartments, and you, you built, built this nice. Park. You built a nice park. Yeah, I, I got people that too. want to live next to that. Yeah, that was kind of a nice thing to say, given that she was going to town it, on it. It was certainly an olive branch that she stamped on. I would agree with that. Yeah, I yeah. Would agree with that too. Yeah. Well, Mark, once again, Leslie employs her interrogation skills on Ron until once again he can no longer take it and goes to extreme and explosive measures to escape. Am I right, Mark? Yes, you are. Uh, still in the bullpen of the fire department, <laughs> we see a black screen with white lettering 11.55 p.m. So maybe another 50 minutes yeah, have passed. Yeah, an hour, roughly. As per the end of the last scene, Ron is still locked in his office, thanks to his wooden key, with the window shades drawn. Right. So he does not have to, have to share the space with Leslie. He does not have to look at Leslie, but it's not really soundproof. He can and certainly Leslie hear her. proves yeah. this by sitting right outside his office, and she's just peppering him with guesses as to why it is that he actually did leave the parks department. Right. Finally, Ron's just like, oh, screw this and he decides he's had enough and he blam he angrily opens his office door and he comes out into the bullpen and he's looking he's looking for something and then he declares victory he found the he held up what he was searching for the partially diffused oh claymore mine and yes. detonator that leslie gave him 10 minutes ago and that we have seen numerous times ago. on his desk yeah his plan, I believe, is something like this. Yeah. I'll summarize. I like to cut through the haze because right. I don't like to get too complex. Put mine by door. Explode mine. Door go bye-bye. Run out of room. Yes. I think that's in a thumbnail. That's a thumbnail view. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like a solid plan. Yeah. Unfortunately for Ron, things don't go exactly like he yeah. expects. So Ron hits the detonator button, and we see balloons and <laughs> confetti pop out of the Claymore mine, uh, and then the sound of a, a party favor being yeah, blown, yeah. accompanied by a cheerful 8-bit music rendition of He's a Jolly Good Fellow. Yeah. And the balloons all say, like, congratulations, Ron, and have his big old grumpy Ron Swanson face on it. And Leslie cheers when Ron does this. She's like, ah, oh, that's great. And she turns to Ron smiling. It, it seems like Leslie was not surprised by this at all. No. Um, Ron, on the other hand, looks stunned and horrified. Uh, Leslie explains she gave him that gift on his fifth anniversary as parks director and told him it was a genuinely partially diffused Claymore mine, which it, it, it was. Yeah. But then Leslie filled it with balloons and confetti and yeah. such and tweaked it to play the music and et cetera. And angry that instead of an actual landmine he had a toy on his desk all these years ron angrily makes his way back to his office locks the door 
I, I love the little thing that p plays. It's like a Leslie uh, voice loop, and it says, congratulations, you've done an explosive job. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Leslie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, he, he does not like the idea that this toy has been sitting on his desk. But Leslie's equally, you know, flabbergasted. Like, you thought you had an actual live landmine on your desk? I, I love the look on Nick Offerman's face of absolute abject horror <laughs> that this landmine, which is a very reasonable thing to have. Sure it is. It He's let little girls play with it, it before. It contained <laughs> confetti. <laughs> Horrible. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's great. Well, Mark, we've been over, we've seen over prepared Leslie before, but in this next scene, it's kind of that plus a beautiful mind plus imitation game plus boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff. That's right. Still in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, we see a black screen with white lettering, 1.57 a.m. So about two more hours have passed. Yeah. So Ron's been locked in his office. He's mad about that Claymore mine, man. Yeah. And he, but finally, after two hours, he, he yeah. opens the door and he walks out of his office. He's kind of looking around. He sees probably curious, like what's going on. Yeah, yeah. He's too, been quiet. Yeah, the enemy is too silent. Yes. Like where where did yes. you go? He sees Leslie pouring through piles and piles and piles of papers and files and and, and other documents. As if that wasn't bad enough, Ron looks at the whiteboard that originally contained her detailed but relatively simple timeline. So the timeline is still there, but probably has 50 times the detail now, with lines drawn everywhere, everywhere almost yeah. in a crazy fashion, connecting things. Like, it looks like the scribblings of either a genius or a madman. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie has gone all beautiful mind on us, for sure. <laughs> Ron, good God, woman. <laughs> Which you knew that that was coming. Leslie tells Ron very simply, this is all a code. She's going to break it. She then holds up a document sealed in plastic with a hazardous material symbol <laughs> on it and, and tells Ron, this is the Rosetta Stone. This is my best shot. This is her job application mm. from back when, when Ron decided to hire her. And it contains Ron's very first impressions of Leslie. This is the beginning of the whole shebang. And she's never read it. And she's never read it. Yeah. And she'd like, this is, this is my best shot. This is my, um, this is going to be it. Yep. Leslie quickly opens up. She opens it up. She quickly reads it and then looks up at Ron and he, she's angry. She's angry because on account of apparently he only wrote three lousy lines. Mm. And Ron takes the document and he reminds himself what he wrote. And he, he reads out loud for our sake, too. Yeah. Leslie Nope is an absurd idealist whose political leanings are slightly to the left of Leon Trotsky. <laughs> so far, so accurate. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. If we were to work together, she would undoubtedly drive me insane, and it is possible that we would murder each other. So that's two sentences. Yeah. And then Ron stops reading yeah. and looks up at Leslie and, and gently tosses it back towards her. And Leslie said, you forgot the last sentence. He said, no, I didn't. I remember that part. It says hire her. Mm. Unfortunately, this this nice moment is interrupted by a loud thud, which Leslie and Ron realize is another person somewhere in the building. So they go to one of the transparent windows and they see a janitor cleaning up in another room and they they yell and they scream and they pound on the glass and they're trying to get his attention. But unfortunately, the janitor is listening to music through headphones and is rocking out to Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman, completely unaware of them. So close, so yet close. so far. 
So close. Mark, the the whole uh, Shania Twain thing, like that's just such a classic moment from this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we just play that little clip? Just that one little part of this? Yeah, sure. I, I, I get my buddy back here. To Thank you. Uh, Robonstantine? Uh, play the little Shania Twain clip, please. Did you hear that? That's a person. That's another person. Hello. Hello. Janitor. Hi. Hi. We're trapped in here. Hey. <laughs> Doing his thing. <laughs> Please, Mr. Janitor, if you just look over here for two seconds, I'll do anything. Hey. I'll watch a foreign film. I'll talk to a man with a ponytail. <laughs> oh, he's gone, Ron. He's gone. <laughs> Uh, that's so good. I mean, wow. that's how desperate Ron is. He will talk to a man with a ponytail. Right. Yeah. You know, there, there's um, there, there's three interesting things about that. I'm glad that we played that. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Uh, uh Because there's three things about that that I want to kind of make note yeah. of. Um, the room where the janitor is, that's Brendanowitz's old office. It is. Um, also, at 12 minutes and 10 seconds... You can still see one of the question mark stickers that Leslie made. No, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That's great. So go to 12 minutes and 10 seconds, and you see on the wall by the janitor, there's a question mark. Th these are the ones that April put up that Leslie yes. had made, right? Yes, absolutely. It's a person. It's another person. I see it. It's right there on the Indiana sign. Yep. That is terrific. Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. Yeah, and then the the other thing, and I had forgotten about this. I read this online. I think uh, so. You know, the janitor's rocking up to oh, Shania yeah. Twain. Classic. This is the same song, and maybe the same janitor as did the exact same thing yeah. in in the season three, episode sixteen, the series, the season finale, Lil Sebastian, and he interrupts the moment of silence yes. with the Shania with Twain the Shania song. Twain very, song. Yes. very funny and yeah. a nice callback. It's a great callback. Yeah. yeah. It's the little details that when they do these things, they just pay off for those who have been paying attention. Absolutely. I love it. It pays to attend to the details. It really does. Yeah. Well, Mark, before we were rudely interrupted by Shania Twain and the janitor, mm. we were making some progress. And in this next scene, we get back to it and hopefully have a breakthrough and blow the doors off this thing. You see what I did there? I do. I do. Yeah. You're funny with the humor. Uh-huh. Still in the bullpen. Uh, so we see a black screen with white lettering, 2.24 a.m. And maybe another 20, 25 minutes have passed or so. We see Ron sitting stoically on a table, arms crossed, while Leslie lays on her back on the floor, feet up on a chair, a report covering her face. Finally, Leslie point blank asks Ron, why the hell would you even hire me? Yeah. And Ron says, well, it was the interview. And Leslie says, that makes no damn sense. Because on account of Leslie recalls, she says, this is how the interview went, Ron. What happened is you asked me, you asked me, <laughs> Ms. Nope, I have one question for you. What do you believe the role of government is in America? And together, Leslie and Ron pieced together how the rest of the interview went. Right. So it was something like, according to Ron, Leslie blathers on for 10 minutes about social safety nets and yeah. honest governance and improving lives. Basic, ba basic nonsense. nonsense. Yeah. And then Ron tells her, everything you just said is basic nonsense. Good day. Apparently, then Leslie got angry, says, excuse me, sir, but I disagree. And then apparently really told Ron off, which yeah. makes present day Ron chuckle. Yeah, yeah. Re remembering that Leslie called him something like a heartless thug. And then Ron in present day goes on to tell Leslie, 
you were tough mm. and honest and you stood up for what you believed in, even though it might have killed your chance to get the job. Mm -hmm. I would rather work with a person like that than with a, with a milk toast yes man. Yeah. And we then find out Leslie sent him a thank you card, which is also in the, in file, the file, by the way, right. where she apologizes for calling him a heartless thug. So there you go. Um, and then she apparently also included some homemade brownies at that point, which Ron recalls were, were damn good and, and possibly the real reason that he hired her. Probably, of course. yes. Um, excited at this, because it does seem like they're making a little bit of progress yep. here. Excited at their progress, Leslie pushes Ron a little bit more to work with her on this. Come on, Ron, let's just bring it home. Bring it home. And Ron just finally says, no, no, no. I, I, he starts to balk. He's like, look, enough's enough. Uh, Playtime is over. I'm getting out of here once and for all. Marches over to the fire alarm, pulls it. Now, on paper, this seems like a solid plan. Sure. But unfortunately, <laughs> the, the, the fire alarm makes the sprinklers go off, but there's no alarm. Yeah. Apparently, April had been pulling it so much the fire department <laughs> disconnected it, which I find very funny yeah, and funny. a little horrifying <laughs> a little horrifying um yeah. <clears throat> the scene ends with the two of them just standing there in silence for a few moments with water pouring down on That's them. Great. yeah I, I think the thing that set him off was the last thing that she guessed which was two years ago you found out you were a quarter french and had a nervous breakdown oh my god can no. you even imagine yeah that there's no way in hell sacre bleu right yeah and stuff yeah. And, and some baguettes well, Mark, after a quick towel off, Leslie and Ron have a chance to get back to it. And at this point, hopefully Ron will realize that he has almost no other viable option with Leslie other than, you know, just to give in. She's in pit bull mode. Yeah. 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 And there's nowhere to go. So, yeah, we're still in the bullpen. Uh, we see a black screen with white lettering 337 a.m. So maybe another hour, hour and 15 minutes yeah. have passed. The water has long since stopped pouring from the sprinklers, but everything is still kind of relatively wet and drippy, you know. Um, Leslie is now in, she found some dry clothes. She's now in a gray hoodie and sweats that she found somewhere. Yeah. For Ron, apparently the only dry clothes he could find was Craig's yoga outfit. <laughs> um, hey, Robonstantine? Uh, play the clip. Thank you. Ron? I found some towels. You okay? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Apparently, Craig is studying yoga. These are the only dry clothes I could find. Well, you look great. I feel extremely angry. Oh, come on. <laughs> Stop whining, you big baby. I've seen you with your eyebrows blown off. Yep. I've seen you without a mustache. Yep. I've seen it all. There's nowhere to run, Ron. You have tried every possible means of escape. There's nothing to do but talk. What happened to these workplace proximity associates? Hmm? Spill it. You Captain left. Then a month later, you took Terry with you. Yeah, well, we needed a mindless factotum, and he's the best there is. Amen. Then you took April. Mm -hmm. I didn't want her to go, as she had become one of my closest workplace acquaintances. But your offer was too good to pass up, so I didn't try to stop her. Then Tom left to run his business, Donna left to run hers. One day I looked up, and she didn't recognize anyone. So I made a decision, an unthinkable decision. Hey, well my, 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 do my eyes deceive me? Is that Ron Swanson? Hello, Leslie. Hello, April. 
Larry? Uh, it's Terry now. Okay. As luck <laughs> would sec. have it. Oh, did you talk to Randy about the vote? Tell the Northeast that we need to put pressure on them or else we're going to be waiting forever, and I'm tired of waiting on them, okay? okay? Sorry, this is a crazy day. So, what's up with you, you big lug? Nothing important. Just thought you might want to have lunch. Uh, tomorrow? I would love to. It's been too long. JJ's Diner, 1230. Excellent. See you then. Okay. So, Randy says the hostel's voting tomorrow and they need us in Washington to prep. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Okay, get us the first flight out of here and grab the Missouri files, meet me at my car. No. Hey, babe, I gotta go to Washington. Can you pick up the kids? Oh, oh no, Ron, I stood you up for lunch. You did, yes. I waited for a while, but it was pretty easy to figure out what had happened. Your life seemed pretty hectic. Is that the rest of the story, that I stood you up? You were going to ask me something. That's why you wanted to have lunch. Ron, you were going... I was going to ask you for a job. Mm. In the federal government. <laughs> Just saying it out loud feels dirty. You missed your friends. And you wanted to come up to the third floor and work with us again. I can't even imagine how hard that must have been for you. God, why didn't I see that? Ron, I am so sorry. I should have been a better friend to you. Honestly, Leslie, it's fine. It was a punctuation mark on a sentence that had already been written. My time in government work was over. I'm sure I loved shutting things down and bleeding the rotting beast from the inside. Your metaphors are so beautiful. But it was time for me to leave. And I didn't feel like explaining why to you or anyone. Everything that happened after, the fight we had, not giving you a heads up when my company took on the Morningstar development and bulldozed the nurse's old house, I do regret that. I had a good run here. But after you and Tom and Donna and April and Terry left, when I looked around this office, nothing was the same. Yeah, well, there's a way to fix that. That's a that's quite a scene, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know about you, but I, every time I watch it, I still feel a little emotional. Oh my gosh! Yeah, for, I mean for sure that that is a that is an unbelievable amount of of genuine heartache emanating yeah. Yeah. from Ron. Um, I mean, it's a giant info dump, which is always a scary thing to write. Right. But the way they did it, the way they executed it, and of course, you know, our, our, our viewers are only able to hear this, but you know, uh, there was a little bit going on behind the scenes there, but I mean, mostly we had a couple flashbacks and we got to see through Ron's point of view this time, why, why it turned out the way it did. Right, right. I, I think the part that got me the most is they established that Leslie stood him up yeah okay that is awkward and it yeah. sucks and and you know leslie's like okay but so is that is that why right and he can't even say anything else yeah. he just sits there in silence and sh you see her you see her slowly piece mm -hmm. together and 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 you just and nick offerman's face is just it's miserable brilliant. yeah and 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 then she says what I think strikes me the most is she says it's it's this elegant simplicity mm -hmm. 
you missed your friends. That's it. I mean, that's brilliant. Yeah. You know? And for him to ask for that job, I mean, we all know what that means to Ron, right? It's been well established. Well, I mean. And it's funny, but at the same time, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, yes, it's funny because it's a Swansonism. But right. if you if you put that aside for just a second, this is at the core of who he is. And, and it is in danger of being warped because he wants this or misses it so badly. Yeah. And I think only for Leslie and a few of these other people, like April especially, would he even do this. I think you're right. Yeah. And but, then he didn't have the chance to. Like, it just, that's, that's, yeah. Right. It's all very unfortunate, and it, you kind of now understand why it happened, but, man, it's still hard to, to, to listen to, you know? Well, and I and also love, I mean, this whole scene is brilliant. Yeah. But I also love Ron's final statement, which, you know, Leslie feels so bad uh-huh. when she, and then Ron says, honestly, Leslie, it's fine. It was a punctuation mark on a sentence that had already been written. I highlighted that one. That's like, wow, that's writing like Bravo, right? Yeah. Mike sure at his best for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I don't know if I have anything else to say about that scene, but that's. That's that's far and away my favorite scene of the entire episode. It's it's it it's, sells it's, it. It sells the premise. It's powerful. And to say it packs a punch is an understatement. Yeah, it's a big understatement for right. sure. Well, Mark, I, I think they've they've pretty much had a breakthrough. Or I think we're both saying that. And yeah. This next scene is kind of a you know, it's a little while later, not much, but there's a, a montage going on here. And can you walk us through like what's really happening? Because there's really no sound other than music. Absolutely, man. So yeah, we're we're still in the bullpen. Uh, black screen, white lettering. It now says like 5:44. So actually, from from the start it's of the last scene, jump. it's been a couple hours yeah. or so. Yeah. And this is a really really nice scene, but it's it's a bit hard to talk through. But I think we can do it. So as you said, this is essentially a montage. Now, visually. We see Leslie and Ron cleaning up the office, and they're they're putting things back the way they were when they work there. They're hanging stuff up on the walls, moving furniture back to where they remember it, right. stuff like that. From an audible perspective, we actually hear no sound at all except the background music of Buddy by Willie Nelson, mm-hmm. which, by the way, was Ron's musical choice for the CD mix nice Leslie made back. for the Summer Parks Barbecue 2007. Yep. Laugh with me, buddy. Just Although we hear no dialogue, and in fact we hear no other sounds, we can clearly see Leslie and Ron clowning around, laughing, smiling, having fun, enjoying each other's presence. Working together as a team, too. Yes. Yes. It should also be stated for the record, they are also drinking yes. a lot. A lot. I really do. We also see several tips of the hat to old times and old episodes, including but not limited to the simple yet powerful picture of bacon and eggs that Ron used to keep hanging in his office. And the look on his face when he hangs it back oh, up. Oh, just joy. Loves it. Pure joy. Yeah. And also something that really touched me, 
the mural oh, they all collaborated on in the camel, the camel yeah. which I always thought was a very underrated episode. Yeah, and we've talked about that. We we, have. we actually saw that. We saw that. Um, it's it's a a, dio, it's a diorama. It's yeah. basically what it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we saw that later in another episode as a callback, and, and here these many years later, it's even more powerful. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mark, it's a few hours later now, and it's down to the last minute or so of their incarceration. And the gang shows up to see what carnage might have occurred from the results of this gambit. (laughs) Alan, I think we made it. We see the front of City Hall with white text at the bottom that says 7.59 a.m. And then, boom, it changes to 8 a.m. Inside, we see the gang hesitantly approach the door. They're like They're not... Yeah. Maybe a little scary, yeah. like they're not exactly sure what they're about to see. From their perspective, they hear Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire playing, and Leslie is singing more nonsense yeah. lyrics. This time, however, it's not driving Ron crazy. In fact, he's actually joining in yeah. with his saxophone. Anyway, Leslie and Ron are very drunk, and they're happy, and they're rocking out. And they're 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 completely oblivious to the gang coming in until oh, yeah. they mention something. They've like, lost track of time. This wasn't at all what Ben expected. And he is very surprised by all this, although definitely pleasantly so. I think everyone's pleased to see them getting along. Yeah. Yeah. Like just genuinely happy to see it. So, and, and they're being silly and it's it's fun to watch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And also a nice comeback from, I mean, I love the serious scenes. Yeah. They're powerful. They belong there. They, they yeah. can't be matched. Yeah. It's nice to get back to a little bit more oh, lightheartedness. Yeah. You kind of have to. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't stay there forever. No. So. <laughs> Gosh, I can't imagine. Well, Mark, it's finally we to the point where we have our kicker, and it's just a few hours later uh, in the day, and you can clearly see that Leslie is still feeling it as she mm. tries to get back to work, despite the events of the night before. Right, right. Yeah, finally. I would have got home, but not Leslie. <laughs> finally, we come to our kicker. It's now, as you said, it's sometime later that morning. We, we cut to the third floor of City Hall. We see April come into Leslie's office. Leslie is seated at her desk. She has... She's cleaned herself up for the most part. Yeah. Like she's wearing a professional outfit. Right. For example, she's also drinking water and and wincing. Uh, she's clearly huh. suffering from a hangover. Why. Yes. <laughs> Robonstantine, play us out, sir. Hey, I moved our meetings to tomorrow because you are drunk and hungover simultaneously at two in the afternoon. Yeah. Good call. Also, you have a visitor. No, whoever it is, I have zero interest in seeing. Hello. Run! Run, 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 run. Uh, We just spent 12 (laughs) hours together, woman. Don't care. I have three years' worth of hugs to force upon you against your will. I have a small object for you. Call it an official peace offering, I suppose. Wow. This is very sweet, but you do realize I gave you this picture six hours ago. The frame is the gift. When my company took on the Morningstar development and I realized it meant bulldozing Anne's old house, I salvaged her front door. Then I stripped off all the terrible paint and lacquer. People really don't know how to finish wood properly. (laughs) And I made it into this frame for you in the event that you and I ever... Ron, you big, fat, giant sap. That seems unnecessary. (laughs) Love it. I feel bad. I don't have anything for you. I mean, for the first time in my life, I am presentless. How about you buy me a meal? 
You hungry? I'm starving. April, Ron and I are going to JJ's to eat too much breakfast food. Why does anybody in the world ever eat anything but breakfast food? People are idiots, Ron. Fade to black. I love it. Yeah. In the look on April's face there, she kind of walks them walk away. I think, like, she's us in that moment, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Nice to see. Yeah. And it's a nice final shot. You know, like, they're walking. They're yep. going to JJ's, which is yep. apropos. Yeah. They're going for breakfast yep. food. Final shot, Leslie and Ron walking towards the elevator with Leslie just hugging Ron. Like, yeah. she's not letting go for yeah. anything. <laughs> the same elevator that he had to get into realizing that her life was so much busier that she might not be able to put him in it, right? Yeah. Like, I think it's like, because it's that same shot down the aisle. So right. it, it at least calls that back for me. So Well done. Yeah, very well done. So, uh, Mark, let's take a quick break so I can get some Kleenex. And then uh, when we come back, we'll finish this thing up. All right, don't look at me. No, no. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Are you in the mood for heaping plates of outstanding breakfast food? If not, then I wish you a good day as I have nothing else to discuss with you and I, quite frankly, don't understand you. However, if the answer is yes, then JJ's Diner is the place for you. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. A staple for the citizens of Pawnee since its opening in 1976, JJ's Diner is owned by the great JJ Lipscomb and is located at 122 Sunderland between Tramp Stamp Tattoos and the Chlorotech Cadmium Refinery. Some have said that JJ's Diner is the meeting place for Pawnee's political elite. I don't know exactly what that means and I still somehow hope that is inaccurate. However, I do know that JJ's Diner is open 24 hours a day and that breakfast food is the only food I need at any of those 24 hours. My employee Leslie enjoys the waffles and whipped cream. I prefer large helpings of bacon and eggs, like most self-respecting people. Be sure to visit JJ's Diner often, preferably when I am not there. Tell them Ron sent you and receive a free JJ's refrigerator magnet with your order of the Ron Special. A heaping portion of bacon and eggs accompanied by a delicious side order of eggs and bacon smothered in sausage and sausage gravy. Mmm. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. That is all. everybody we're back i think i've composed myself now mark i think i can get through this Whatever. as long as we don't talk too much about what we just talked about so all right <laughs> yeah <clears throat> I'm, I'm fine well you know uh this this is an interesting one to me in deleted scenes i, I kind of made a point on the last episode about those deleted scenes maybe having been in my opinion swappable uh in a good way with what was in the canon episode here i wouldn't do that I would love to see the producer's cut mm. with these deleted scenes, yeah. almost all of them, in this episode. Yeah. That would, I mean, this episode's good, like even at 21 minutes, right? Yeah. And I'm sure we'll both reflect that today. But man, as a 25 minute producer's cut with just a little more, I guess, explore, exploration, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm of two minds here. Maybe it would have ruined it. I, I don't know. 
Yeah. But these are the right scenes that if you were going to do it, I, would agree I think with that. they're here. Yeah. yeah. So if you have the DVDs, check them out. Definitely. I, mean, I won't even go through them because they're basically just more of everything we just encountered. So uh, in one way or another. Mark, this is also a weird one for me with first tropes, goofs, and fun facts in a way because it's it's single story, single location, yep. the entire episode. Yep. So I think in that regard, it probably is going to steal some opportunities from a li- some some of these lists. That might be. Yeah. So I, I did I did come up with a few though. Okay. What so for first, I have we first learn what Morningstar yes, was really all I about. Got that one. We first learn why Ron really left the Parks Department. Yeah, that's good. We first learn that Craig is now the head of the Parks Department. Yeah, good for Craig. And I think that's all I had. I had it's their first single story episode, and I, I want to check that. But I think it's the only one where we've ever only had just an A story. I, I think that we True. technically did this with Rock Show. But we probably really could have broken it up into several little sub-segments. Uh, you're saying the way we actually covered episode uh, season one, episode six. But but I question if that was the best decision at uh, the time. Interesting. Well, if we ever go back and look at those scores, which I think would be a fun exercise, not to dwell on it, but just to maybe go through season right. one, you know, at the end of season seven, right? right like right. so much. Were we happened. a little harsh or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think probably. But I think in general, you're right. It's it's off the top of my head. I can't think of another yeah. one where it was just one. Yeah. Um, I, I did get some tropes, though. How about you? I'm sure you did as well. I did, too. I, I got a punching bag Jerry yes. when they were, like, trying to get him to open the door. Yeah, and then great. his all the Terry, Gary, Larry names. Yep. Um, I said Leslie loves breakfast food. Yep. Leslie and Ron respect each other. Ron loves breakfast food. Yep. Ron loves April. Because mm. that you was a big it. blow to him. Yeah, you could see it. Um Woodworking Ron, yeah, make yeah. a freaking key out of yeah, wood. It's terrific. Saxophone playing Ron. Yeah, nice, good. I missed that one. Ron's Claymore Mine, just because that has been in <laughs> so that. many episodes. I said landmines. Yep. Um, Ron doesn't know people's names. Like she, he calls uh, Leslie Lauren at Lauren, one point. Yeah. Still refers to Anne as the nurse. The nurse. Um, yes. Work proximity associates. Yeah. Morning star, just as a yeah. as a thing. Yeah, and I said, the camel. Oh, that's nice. That's good. I like that. Um, mine. I only had a few others. Uh, food driven, Ron. Obviously, right? Breakfast foods. Oh, I mean, good one. I missed you've, that. You've got it in other ways, though. Um, I, I actually, I think I've said this before. I said Ron gives personal gifts. Like every time Ron does give a gift, it's like it's usually made of wood, but it's also very personal. Right, the gift he gave to Chris, the memory box, this, the the frame made of Anne's front door. Like I just think, you know, when he does go out to give a gift, it's, it's a good very gift. thoughtful. It's a very thoughtful gift. He's Leslie's maybe the the the, the queen, but he's no slouch. It, that's that's true. Because even hers, even though she gives so many, they're all very thoughtful. Right, but you're right. Um, yeah, he, he's he's up there with Leslie in this one. And then my last one was over prepared Leslie, like. The, you know, the chalkboard, the whiteboard, the beautiful mind, the, the beautiful mind <laughs> sequence. I love calling it that. Yeah. Right. It's all terrific. So um, goofs. I read an interesting one online. Did you have any other than that one? I, I, I had one that had to do with the alleged number of years 
yeah. and lived in the house. Is that it? No, this is a little different. What's yours? So basically, at, at a certain point, this is when they're still kind of arguing. Yeah. And 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 I think that they. He says Anne hasn't lived there in five years. Right. Yeah. And that's not that's not accurate mm. because I mean if you if you think like okay you went forward in time three years right but basically it was just a matter of months prior to that jump that Anne, Anne had left. lived at her house before she and Chris left. That's a good point. So it's probably you know closer to four if if that if that probably yeah. less than four. Right. So it is nitpicky, but I just noticed that and thought that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Interesting. Um, that's all I had. Well, the one the one that was online that I kind of thought through and thought was worth mentioning because I think it's right is is another math problem, and it's that Leslie in the flashback sequences, especially with that party, the goth party for April, she would have been very pregnant with the twins, or the triplets, excuse me, and and yet they don't show her as a pregnant person in those clips. Oh. I thought that's interesting. That's, that is that's interesting. That's a good eye to detail. It's, it's forgivable to miss that, but it I is, agree. I think, officially a continuity error. Right, so. right, right. Um, how about fun facts? I, I talked about a few fun facts yeah. regarding when the janitor was cleaning, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. kind of fun. I, I said them at the time at the yeah. scene. Um, there, there is a, a kind of a cute one like regarding the use of we didn't start the fire. So yeah. number one, Jerry chose it for the Parks and Rec yeah, mixtape. Yeah. The song is song, sung by Billy Joel. Billy Joel's ex-wife is Christy Brinkley, who plays Jerry's wife, Gail. That's great. Um, and also just as a, a, it's an interesting thing, you know, the office and, and Parks and Rec are so alike in many ways and they have the same showrunners, blah, blah, blah. But the, the, the We Didn't Start the Fire was also parodied in The Office by Dwight oh, yes. in the episode The Fire. Sure. Yeah. It's written by William Joel. That's right. That was his line. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, we already mentioned, I think you mentioned this, but uh, um, so in season two, episode 20, yeah. Summer Catalog. Summer Catalog, right. Leslie says to Ron, why would anyone eat anything other than breakfast food? And Ron replies, people are idiots, Leslie. And in this episode, they, they flipped that. They inverted that. it. Yeah. Very, very nice. That's terrific. Yeah. Um, we talked about how the camel was visible, which yeah. is just a really nice touch. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Um, the, the, when in the flashback where Leslie comes to yell at Ron mm -hmm. in, in his office, like, what the hell, Ron? You why you speak to him calmly. <laughs> and, and and you you for a moment you zoom out and you see that there's like blueprints and one of the logos there is uh, Norton Construction, which Mark went to work for. Oh, uh, that's terrific. So presumably Ron has hired his architectural firm to help on Morningstar. Right. I love that. That's that's terrific. I mean, it's a guess, but it, it, I think it's plausible. I think it's plausible. Like, it, 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 at least, you know, like in the, the, the universe where we question what happened to Brandanowitz, it's kind of an answer, I suppose. Yeah. It's a real thing. They didn't just forget about it. So. Um, the only, I, I had like two other just very minor things yeah. I said, yeah. uh, you know, due to the way this episode was crafted, there's hardly any guest stars because it's just the two yeah. of them in one room. But yeah. we did have two. Yeah. One was Billy Eichner as Craig Middlebrooks, which is near the end. Yes. When like, you used my yoga suit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're going to stretch it out. Right. And then uh, Eric Eisenhower as Orrin was in one of the flashback sequences, yeah. April's Vampire yeah, you see or whatever. Right in zombie the middle. Party. He's got his hair up in a spike. Yeah. Uh, the way Orrin does. Yes. Which, by the way, speaking of that, this is Orrin's last appearance yep, in, on the series. Too. Yep. So uh, that's Eric, all I Eric had. Eric Eisenhower, played by Eric Eisenhower. That's right. Yep. So 
nice job, Mark. I think that's it. I think we've we've got it, and um, I think we're ready to get into our scores. All right, strap in. Yeah, I feel um, like this is going to be a different experience in seven point three. But tell me. <laughs> well. So co-MVPs at this point are almost meaningless because there's only two people in the whole freaking episode pretty much. Pretty much. So I'll give it to them. Yeah, me too. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. Co-MVPs, Nick Offerman is Ron Swanson, Amy Poehler is Leslie Nope. Because first of all, duh. Right. <laughs> but, but also because they earned the crap out of it. Well, yeah. Yeah. I have to give huge props to my man crush, Nick Offerman, for bringing such just tangible heartache mm. to Ron F. And Swanson. Mm-hmm. It was it was painful. It's hard to watch. It was painful to watch how heartbreaking some of those scenes were, and this episode was made all the more wonderful because of that. Mm. Ron Swanson has never been more endearing to me. Yeah. I also give huge props to Amy Poehler for doing such an awesome job as Leslie. It was, it was her reflection of Ron's grief yes. that made his heartache so tangible and real. I think that's very true. Yeah. And, and honestly, she made it look easy. That was the other comment I had in my MVP notes. She just made it look easy. And I think Amy can do that. Yeah. And you almost forget how good she is. Sometimes. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I, I already mentioned this as like one of my call outs, but I'm going to say it again just because the way that she slowly fills the silence gaps mm. when she and Ron have her, their big the pacing, scene yeah. and she's yeah. putting it all together as we watch the miserable visage of Ron's face, yeah. it's, 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 it's almost chilling. Yeah. You know what? I have a, I have a theory. I have a theory that Amy cried on set during that. I wish Leslie had mm. not like bald, but just broke just a little bit. Cause Ron's there. He's at it. Oh and yeah. I honestly believe that if Leslie saw Ron at that and is having these, this, this, you know, uh, this, you know, epiphany, epiphany. Thank you. Um, she would have broke like she, there's oh, no way she would have held it together. No. So I feel like that was a tiny missed opportunity, but that's probably my own, one of my only complaints about this episode. In, in, in general, honestly, Alan, there's almost too much to say about this episode. And I, I'm, I, 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 I feel like I could do the best I could do, and I don't even know if I would do it justice. And I feel like we kind of did it as we went through the episode a little bit more than we usually do. I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's any other two characters that could carry an entire episode on their shoulders alone. Leslie and Ron had to be the ones to carry this, yeah. and they did a spectacular job. I love Adam Scott, but I don't think a Ben Leslie storyline could have done this. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. The payoff was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we actually, you know, we've talked about. And this goes back to one thing I said that just really got me. We've talked about how sometimes Ben has his best moments when he's freaking out over the relatively mundane. Yeah. But got me is is the big driver for Ron was, you know what? You missed your friends. Yep. Just the, the elegant simplicity of that is was just stunning. It just and, and and the weight of it, you know? He didn't even want to admit he has friends. No, no, exactly. Um, and 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 you know we talked about and this feeling with him was so strong of either missing them or whatever. It, he was perilously close to betraying who he was at his core mm. to try and fix it or get that feeling back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about that too in terms of him taking the government job or asking for it. But but I resolved that by saying. 
But he could have gone there and done the same thing, tried to tear apart the federal government from the inside by not giving a darn. So that's not out of character for him. But asking for the job had to be tough regardless. Yeah. 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 I'm really really glad that they saved this big Leslie Ron rift for the final season because mm. the way I look at it, Alan, this particular gun should only have one bullet. <laughs> I like that metaphor. It's um, true. Leslie and Ron's freaking relationship is so important to this show mm. that messing with it more than once would have been dangerous yeah i think and i i don't think this would work a second time no i don't either and i think the first, these three episodes three and a quarter if you want to take the last piece at the end of season six to get to this moment this has been hard to watch them yeah. fight each other yeah hard and I, I wanted to make one mention here this is something that i just thought was interesting for me this is Mark's opinion. For me, there's only one other scene in the entire series that hit me with the feels even close to this mm. that's worth mentioning. And I'm referring to the kicker, the last scene of season three, episode 12, Eagleton, mm. when Leslie surprises Ron with mm. a very sweet, very well thought yeah. out birthday surprise party. That. Yep. Quiet evening alone with his favorite foods, yep. his favorite drink, his favorite movies. Mike Schur had said in that that was his favorite scene in the show, Bar None. And Amy Poehler had said, you know, this is so sweet. It's an example of how important it is to Leslie who she works with. It's just as important as the job itself. Right. And Rashida Jones praised it and said, I just bawled when we did our read through. I mean, really powerful yeah. stuff. And I remember I gave in my Mark rubric, which we all know is flawless. <laughs> sure. I gave that ending scene on its own yeah. two, two extra points. Two points I right. have never done that. Yeah. I guess the tired point I'm making here is that Leslie and Ron's relationship is very valuable currency. Yeah. And when it's used well, like in Eagleton. Yeah, that's or, a good point. Or here. It pays off in ways that nothing else can match. It's a great point. I'm shutting up now. Here goes the Mark Rubik. All right. Base score, five. Masterpiece. I'm not even going to go on about it. <laughs> but I'm going to go on about it and tell you why. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. not. Actually, I will say this. There have been episodes that were out and out funnier sure. than this one. Oh, God, yeah. There's never been an episode that gives you the feels more than this one. I think that's true. Absolute masterpiece. This has the most emotional depth of all the Parks and Rec episodes. I'm going to give uh, uh, one point for a great, great job by Nick Offerman as Ron yeah. Swanson. And I'm going to give another point for a great, great job by Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope. I'm going to give a half point for what I call the Morningstar combo getting resolution to the whole Morningstar incident. And and really, I mean, also just from an interest and plot perspective, this is like a little mini mystery. Like, well, you've got me hooked. What is this? Yeah, what is this? We got the payoff. Mm. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the full circle combo. 
there were several ways that I know we've talked about it several times in this episode. There were several very nice, subtle callbacks during the whole episode, including but not limited to Leslie's question mark stickers, uh, Janitor rocking to Shania Twain, uh, the, the the mural that they made in the camel, the bacon and eggs poster. Yeah. Um, why would appropriately anyone... faded bacon and eggs? Yeah, sure. right. That's again, it's attention to detail stuff. Yep. yep. Ron's Claymore mine. Yeah. You know, why would anybody eat anything other than breakfast food? I yeah. mean, the list just goes on. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to give another half point for what I call the Ron Leslie combo. There has never been, nor will there ever be, a more clear indication of why these two have always been and will always be at the heart and soul of this show. Mm. I'm going to give. Half point for humor reasons for the Ron torture combo. Yeah. All the things that Leslie does to try and torture Ron. The episode's strength is its huge emotional impact, yeah. but that's freaking funny. That was funny stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to give one final point for what I've called before, and I'll do it again the bookend combo. Mm. The introduction of Leslie and Ron getting locked in together, plus. The wonderfully sweet ending with Leslie and Ron walking away, hugging each other, going to JJ's diner for a long, mm. long overdue breakfast. Yeah. Final score, 10. Suck it. I, I make no apologies for my score. This, uh, I said it before, I'll say it again. This is a masterpiece. And, and, and not necessarily even in a haha sense. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I think this was really well written. I could even see if someone were to choose to make the argument there are episodes that are as well written as this, if not maybe a little bit better. But what this episode does better than any other episode is give us the payoff for this cancer that's been eating away at the foundation of this show, but purposefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The relationship between mm-hmm. Leslie and Ron. It gives you the feels and spades. And, and this, for this emotional depth, it's a pretty damn bold move for a sitcom. That's my review. Ten. Over to you, Alan. Rock the scuba. All right. I, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, here's, if, I, if I chart, and I've already said my MVPs are the same as yours, so I don't have to even cover that again. And it's, we've already said why. If I chart my emotional reaction to this show, obviously it peaks at the end where it should, right? Right. I still feel like how I feel about it at the beginning, and and not just the emotion of it, but how I feel about the story, about the behavior of the characters, even the writing to a degree, there's just something slightly missing. And, and for me, like, as I look at it, like, I want to give it a 10. I'm so close to giving it a 10, Mark. I really am. I'll go out on a limb and say, make this a producer's cut with the right, including the right scenes from those deleted scenes, and I'll give it a 12. Like, it's just, I, I'm that close to giving it a 10 now, but I gave it nine and a half. And, and I, I can tell you this, if I watch it again tomorrow and we, we come back and we record this again, let's not do that, by the way, maybe I'll give it a 10 then. I think it's one of those days. Um, You're saying that this is as close as it could possibly be to a 10 without you actually deciding to give it a 10. Yeah, like a 9.99. Like it's just, there's that one little element that I feel is missing or a rough edge at the beginning. It's just like a rocky start, but then man, it just gets good. And and I, I 
watched it again yesterday and had the same response to it. So I just can't get past that. I'm not sure what it is. And I haven't looked at the deleted scenes like enough to like say, if I plug in this piece of the puzzle that's maybe missing, maybe that's what I'm trying to say, because I'm not even sure what I'm trying to say, um, it, then it becomes a 10 and, and like with no qualms whatsoever. But I'm not gonna argue with you. Like it's, if it's not a 10, it's, it's the next best episode after the 10s we've had. Mm -hmm. And in some ways it's better than those episodes. But I just feel like it's got enough of a curve to it or a, a I don't know, a hockey stick even, that it's not a 10 for me. It's so close though. Like, and, and I'm not trying to be a downer about it, but- That's all right. I mean, this is the best episode of season seven. I'll go on and say it. I think I'm right about that. I could be wrong because I haven't watched the rest of them again yet on purpose. Uh, normally by this point, I probably would have finished the season, but I decided not to. Mm -hmm. So that's the only reason I have some uncertainty about what I just said. And I did say that the last episode was the worst of season seven, mm -hmm. but that you can't have this episode without that episode. So I gave it a little bit of a, of a I guess, of a, of a pass because of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, not on score, I didn't. Do you think, just out of curiosity, yeah. I, I respect what you said. I, for you me, agree with it, but you respect for, it. For, yeah, for I me, I can't give this anything other than a 10 just because it's just, it's I, I've good. never experienced anything like that. It's like, it, I think, okay, fair enough. You know what? If we were to break this into categories like funny, emotion, writing, acting, I mean, it's probably going to get a 10 in most of those, especially emotion. In fact, mm. I'd get in trouble and lose my parking spot for giving it a 15. <laughs> but. They're just again. I'm, I'm having. I'm struggling to quantify the thing that's keeping it from just getting all the way there. And it's not big. Right. It's not. And of all the nine fives I've given, which isn't many, I guess the season three there were quite a few. Th this is probably the best of those. Yeah. Uh, especially on emotion. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a balance thing for me. Like the payoff is so good that if it had that same energy is the wrong word, because this is a weird one to talk about energy because of the the, 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 the content, the nature of it. If that were there, I'd have zero problem. I probably would have started at 10. Mm, I, I just, interesting. it's so close, Mark. Well, let me ask you this, changing topics slightly. Yeah. Last episode, yeah. I we both scored it pretty low. Yeah. I, I gave it a seven five, you gave it a seven. Yeah. Now, do you think if, if you could just wave a magic wand and say, well, this is how it was um, aired originally, or this is how they crafted it or sculpted it, or this is how mm -hmm. they packaged them together. Do you think that there's anything that they could have done just because this one is so, so good that would have made you want to elevate that episode score? That's interesting. I, I mean, I think I would have been so happy with this episode in comparison to the episode before. Mm. I would have probably just said 10, 10, 10, 10. Um, you know, I mean, compared to the, to the, to episode three, you know, that William Her Henry Harrison episode. Um, well, and I'm, I'm thinking specifically, and th th actually this may not be a fair comparison, but like the season six premiere London, yeah. right? So that's a double-sized yeah. episode right? similar to this. And I feel like those halves worked very, very well with each other. They did. Now, I, I think if you pair these, three drags down four. 
Unfortunately, I think I agree with you. Yeah. I think for the sake of four being the unbelievable powerhouse that it is, yeah. it had to, the cheese had to stand alone. It did. If they had tried to combine them together, I, I kind of made the opposite point a little bit in, at the end of our review of season uh, 7.3 that, you know, by adding this to that, it would have made it a better episode. And that's certainly true. It, but that would have detracted from this episode. I agree. As a standalone. So they did the right thing. And maybe if the show just started just slightly differently, I could have been right at a 10 the whole time. I don't know. I, I'm going to have to think about that one. Fair enough. Yeah. But again, I mean, I, I think it's easy to say this is a top five episode. They did something special here. Absolutely. This they, is lightning They don't in a replicate bottle. anywhere else. Even in the best episodes in season three and four, we've given 10s and even a 10 and six. Like, those are really good episodes, and they right. deserve the 10s they got. This is different somehow, though. Yep. Regardless of the score, it's different. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Wow. I don't know about you, Mark, but I, I need a nap after that. So. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah that's... Um... <laughs> And here we are. So we're sitting at season episode four, season seven. We have eight episodes to go. That's right. And we know that the last episode's kind of a double, so you could call it nine. But um, we're going to cover that as a single. Right. And mostly we're going to record our our episodes like they aired. Right. When they did a pair, we're going to review as a pair, release them separately like we did here. Right. But on the same day we're going to record them right we yeah we had mentioned today yeah. that that yeah we're recording our review of 7.4 but we're actually still in the studio yeah from having yes. done our recording of 7.3 right. and we thought that was apropos because it mirrors how it was originally published that's correct and we're going to try and continue that pattern yeah because we're interested in what nbc did and why they did it right and i want to see what impact it has on our coverage basically. right yeah you do yeah. well said it's exciting so all right well thank you everybody thanks for sticking through go out if you haven't seen this episode in a while go watch it again i dare you to like not get emotional i know yeah i agree absolutely so great job mike great job amy great job nick and the whole cast and and the whole writer's room so uh excellent episode and um i'm looking forward to the next one yeah which is a season seven episode five grizzle box grizzle box yeah, yeah. so we're back to the grizzle so uh the grizzle stone so to speak that's right yeah because we still haven't resolved that no interesting all right. We'll Here see we what go. happens. Strap yeah. in. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.